Hello and welcome to The Widow Podcast. I am your host, Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I am a widow, a mum, a health coach, a life coach and grief coach. I want to help you see that you really can create something truly meaningful after loss. You have everything you need within you and I want to help you find it so you can see how capable and amazing you really are. Helping you find a more positive way through your grief. Welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. Today, I am super, super excited to have a very wonderful guest, a very inspiring guest with me, Dana Frost. Dana is a cancer survivor herself, a widow, and founder of the Forced Joy Project, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. Dana's mission is to inspire and empower others to find joy in the midst of grief, teaching people to embrace the joy even during times of intense grief. I was really attracted to Dana and her account over on Instagram because in her own words, she says the first joy, sorry, the forced joy project is a community of people who are willing to share in life's brightest and darkest moments. And I think that is just so inspiring, isn't it, Dana? Because we all know how horrendous and horrifically painful grief is. It's it's very hard to put that into words. It's almost something that really can only be felt by the person going through it. It's so different for everyone. But, you know, I really, you know, for me and, and what I do, And how I help people is definitely try and lean into that joy a little bit and find that joy in life again. And you just do it so beautifully and reading your story and where the idea came from. You know, I think it originated, didn't it, between you and Brad Um, and, and, you know, in, in terms of how you coped with what you were kind of trying to deal with at the time. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Dana, where it kind of started and, and a little bit about sure. Brad and what happened to, to him? Yeah. Um, so as you said, um, and first of all, thank you for that beautiful introduction. You did such a great job. I was like, oh, that's like makes it sound so great. <laughs> it is. It is that great. <laughs> um, so as you mentioned, the Four Story Project was something um, that Brad and I started. Brad was my husband. Um, we had been together for, we were married for eight years, had been together for about 13 um, when he got sick. I'm trying to be like, how far back do I need to go to (laughs) to capture this? Um, And he he was diagnosed with cancer in the fall of 2016. And we were, it was was kidney cancer. It was stage four, so it was terminal from the start. Um, And I mean it as I'm sure anyone that's been through it or anyone who has not can imagine just rocked our world in the worst possible way. Um, it was something we'd already been through cancer with myself. We, we, we just never, never, never expected it. And, um, Brad was always very open with talking about all of the stuff, like the hard stuff. I was not, I was a lot more closed off and I, you know, give Brad so much credit for all of this that exists today because his influence just affected me to see how open he was about not just what's good, but what's, what's difficult in life. And so when he was diagnosed, um, we, we talked about all of it very openly and we, it was, it was just, it was really, really 
really difficult, really hard. And um, during one particularly hard day, I was just, I was desperate. Like I felt like truly desperation for like, we cannot continue every day in this way. And I was like, we need to find a way to like find little moments of joy, like just to find something. And Brad was much more of the realist. I was, you know, this grew up, you have to be positive. And um, Brad was much better at acknowledging things that weren't. So he kind of rolled his eyes at me and was like, you want us to force joy? And I was like, I, I do. I, that's, that's what I need. And so he, you know, kind of was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. So we just started documenting it. That's how it started. It was just not every day. There was no like real schedule for it, but we started documenting just these little tiny things during his diagnosis in and out of the hospitals that brought us joy, that made us laugh. Um, and that's kind of how it started. Um, when, when you, when you were doing that, was it, I mean, it's forced because you have to keep, you have to look for it, don't you? And you have to be able to see what you can create joy out of. And I think it's very easy to very much focus on, you know, what you're going to lose, the loss, the grief, that the heartache, because it's so big, isn't it? And it's, it just takes over every single corner of your being, of your universe. So you know, I, I kind of, I always really like to encourage people to kind of look for the good, you know, acknowledge what is is good and can be seen as good, because I think it helps us. So when you were looking for those moments of, of joy, when you found them, did, did it bring you, did it bring you actual moments of joy? It did, you know, and I think there's, there's different moments. So I think with Brad, it did. I mean, for sure. Like we would laugh about the most ridiculous things that we might not have paid attention to. Um, and that was real joy. Um, we maybe had to force ourselves to look for it, but that doesn't mean the joy wasn't real. And I think there were moments after Brad died where I was like, you know, trying to keep this mentality and just, I couldn't like, it was too hard. And so I think it's recognizing that like, it is important to look for it. It is important to acknowledge this but it's not always going to be real. It's not, it's not this magic thing that suddenly you're going to snap out. Like it, the grief is still there. Yeah. Forcing the joy, finding the joy doesn't mean you're eliminating the grief. Like we, yeah. I, you know, I think anyone that's listening to this has been through an experience that they know that grief is still part of the experience. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and it's, it's not an either or thing, is it? You don't have to have one to kind of you know right. rule out the other it's right. it's learning to to kind of gradually make space I guess for both isn't it but exactly. allowing yourself to do that because it it can feel wrong can't it in in, oh, in some moments and and impossible oh, too sometimes you know sometimes you really are in in a place where it's so dark you you don't want to see it you can't see it and, right. and that's okay right. too you know it's yeah it's, um, it's it's learning how to find I guess your way isn't it in that mm -hmm. so do you think did you you know Brad initially was a bit like what <laughs> did it yeah. did it help him it, through his journey do you think I think it helped him but I don't know if he got I don't think he needed it as much mm -hmm. as I did if that makes sense um I, I think he was just naturally better in touch with the full spectrum of what he was going through and his emotions. And he could, he could better let in the joy than maybe I could. I think I needed that for myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, you know, I, I think documenting those moments, you know, for me, it's like, it's obviously for me now, like I have these moments, I have these videos of us singing in the car on the way to, you know, oncology appointments and dancing along the river. Like I have these moments documented. And so I don't know if some part of me was like, I'm going to need these. I'm, I certainly was not a conscious thought, but looking back, I'm like, why, why did I need this? Why? And, you know, so I'm not sure Brad needed it. I know he gained something from it, but it certainly was more for me. And then, you know, Brad sadly died, didn't he? It was 100 days after his mm-hmm. diagnosis. So very quick for you. Very fast, yeah. Did you, did you know that you were going to continue, you know, forcing the joy? Or was that something that kind of naturally evolved after he died? Yeah, I, um, I mean, in that time, even like when Brad was diagnosed and we were forcing joy, it was not thought out of anything beyond that moment and what it was for. So no, I did not think at that point that the Instagram account existed, Brad and I did that when he was still alive, but, and it just kind of became my personal account where I started documenting what I was going through. And it was not a lot of joy after Brad died. I mean, it was no longer about, let me highlight the joy. It truly was the place that I went and let it all out, like had a place for my feelings to go. So it took some time to kind of get back to what the Force Joy Project was about and to start talking about joy along with the grief. And it slowly just kind of evolved from there, but it certainly wasn't something immediately after Brad died that I thought Mm. would become what it is today. There was no intentional thought in that. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? How our journeys evolve Mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. And, and things that, we, we don't maybe think are, are possible or that we're capable of, but oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it, it, and it, you know, like in those early days, you, you can't see any joy, any light, any hope. And, and you think, you know, how am I ever going to get through this? Is, is this, is this permanent? <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, you can't imagine feeling any real joy in, in life again. So how long do you think it was after Brad died that you, you, felt a, a really natural moment of joy do you remember a moment where you you kind of thought oh do you know yeah actually I can feel it yeah you know it's it's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day where in my mind it it was probably months and I um I ended up leaving and driving around cross country a couple months after Brad died I just felt like I had to get out of my space like I was so buried in my grief that that felt like the only thing I could do was to just leave. And Brad and I had talked about doing that. So it was kind of already in my mind of like this road trip, this cross country trip. Um, And it was certainly there that like, now I can remember like just being out in the world, out in nature, experiencing these things, you know, a sunrise and, you know, over a mountain and these things that are just so magically beautiful and feeling something Mm -hmm. But I also remember, so the day Brad died, I'm sitting on my, I had a little rooftop deck and I'm sitting there with the, who are not like the closest people to me. And it was Brad's best friend, his siblings and my sister. And we're sitting there and we just start like laughing. And I can't remember what it was about, but we had this moment where it's like of like dark humor, laughing. And, you know, that's the day he died. And so I think it's like, and then of course felt horrible and guilty, but it's like, that's something now where it's like, if you find joy, if you're feeling this, like I felt so terrible feeling any kind of joy early on, or it's just like, God, it's, it's okay. You know, like, 
Yeah. I like, I just, that, that guilt is so heavy and it's so real. And I, I don't know where that comes from, but I, you know, we, I'm sure we've both talked to so many people where I don't know anyone that doesn't experience that. Yeah, I, you're right. It's, um, it's, it's like a, a companion to, to grief, isn't it? Guilt. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it lives oh, yeah. in, in many different forms and in many different ways. And, and, and it can hold us back. And it's, you know, often through the kind of stories we tell ourselves, isn't it, of, of what mm-hmm. it means if we do certain things or behave in a certain mm-hmm. way. But actually, I think, you know, we learn as we move through our grief that things don't mean what we think they mean. Finding right. moments of joy doesn't mean that you're no longer grieving. Um, right. You know, the two kind of sit side by side and it's making space for both, isn't it? Right. And, you know, it's, I think it's important that we do because we have to grieve. We have to, to feel right. the grief. Um, but we have to allow ourselves some respite from that as well and, and kind of integrating yeah. our, our, our new normal. But what did you do in, in those moments that were really heavy for you you know those deep grief moments how did you because you said you know Brad was very good at kind of expressing himself mm-hmm. and, and and communicating and, and it's something you've had to learn from him what what did you do how did you manage I know you said you kind of left and you went off Is, was that one of your ways of coping that was um I mean I spent thousands of miles crying in my car like I feel like my car I would listen to music that, I mean, it was just, it was the whole experience of a certain playlist of all of our favorite songs and driving and having the space to do that. I feel like when being at home, it felt like everyone's kind of looking to you for when you're okay. Everyone wants you to be okay. They check in and it's like tiptoeing around you. And I feel like for me leaving and doing this by myself gave me that space to truly grieve in the way that I needed to grieve. Um, and I'm not saying I couldn't have done that. I think, you know, I spent a lot of time crying in my bed before that. Um, but that, that was really helpful for me was kind of leaning into it, putting on the sad music and let, you know, letting myself feel in a way that I kind of spent my whole life not allowing myself feel these things. And I think that was part of it, like being okay that, I mean, this is the worst thing you can go through. Like, why are we trying to pretend to be fine with it? Like, we're not, we're not okay with this. We're not fine. So I think acknowledging that. Yeah. And I think that's really sort of powerful, isn't it, Dana? Because I I believe that we have to create space for our grief. Mm -hmm. We've got to make time for it. And I think we have to, you know, I believe that we kind of, build a relationship with it kind of get to know it what it looks like feels like how we how we live with it how we kind of nurture ourselves through it I suppose and I guess what you did there was you created that safe space for you to grieve in and you know I speak to so many people that try to continue in life the way they were you know living up to the expectations others place on them that they place on themselves they've still got to turn up to work and be amazing at work they still got to run the house and keep in touch with family and be an amazing mum and dad to their children it's like you know it's where do you find space for for that grief so I can completely kind of understand what you thought you know what I'm just gonna get (laughs) my man and go like that must have felt very liberating and empowering to do that but scary I mean looking back now a hundred percent I'm not at the time it felt insane and I think everyone else was like 
you're, what are you doing? No one fully understood. I don't know if I fully understood. Um, and I also recognize that I had the privilege to be able to do that. I didn't have kids to take care of. I was able to not work for a period of time and do that. And, you know, so I think a lot of people are listening to this and be like, well, that would have been nice to do. And it's, you know, I think it really is though, just trying to find where is that space you can take yeah. for yourself. And for some people, I think they need their community and people. And that was not what I needed in my grief. Like I felt like I couldn't fully go there with mm-hmm. other people. Like I needed that that space just for me to kind of figure it out and what was next. Did that change though, as you went through, you kind of said you didn't need community in grief. Was that just in that moment or has that been a, a continual feeling throughout your grieving journey that you wanted to do it within and, and not with others? It- that has shifted a lot. I mean, I have a whole community now online of people that I just love being a part of. Um, eventually, and, and you know, even during that time, I, it's not that I was completely alone. I again, the same people that were on that rooftop with me; those were, you know, I talked to them, I texted with them um, throughout this whole process. They were kind of the people I kind of shut out the rest of the world, but I did have this small group of people that I felt like were grieving in a way that was similar to my level. And it's like, that was the only people I wanted to talk to were other people that were in that kind of pain. Um, and yeah, eventually that shifts. I, you, we, we are people, we are community oriented people, even though that was my initial grief experience. And I'm an introvert that is very internal. Um, yeah, community is is important, especially as a young widow, where we were so isolated and alone, being able to find other people that had that kind of experience. And certainly now talking with people um, has been such a huge help for me in this process. Yeah, it's very healing, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. being with yeah. others when you're ready for, for that. And, and again, I think it's the same with everything in, in grief and in life. Like it's finding a balance, isn't mm-hmm. it, of, of, of all of it. And I think we, we do need communities and people around us but sometimes we just need solitude as well you know we need to find that that space so that we can think about us because there's so much lost isn't there when Mm -hmm. we we lose a partner and and you kind of touched on there Donna that you you didn't have um children with Brad Mm -hmm. how do you think that has impacted your journey but you know I speak to a lot of um people you know some do have children Mm -hmm. and, and some don't and some will kind of look at the, the opposite of you know what they've got and think that that's better or worse or, in, or indifferent or whatever and and I think sometimes people that don't have children almost feel like they're a little bit left behind in mm-hmm. it um how did that part of the, the story for you impact your, your journey and, and how you dealt with it all yeah um you know, first of all, I think being a woman in your thirties without kids, you're already kind of on the outside and then becoming a young widow on top of that, it feels like it's just an additional layer of not really belonging. So, so many of, of my peers in life. And then in this widow world that we're, that we're now a part of kids is a part of that. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like you don't fully belong in this group when it's talking about being a solo parent. And, you know, there's parts of me that it's like, I'm, I'm truly like, I'm thankful that we didn't have kids and that I get to, you know, I get to be totally selfish. I moved out of my place. I, you know, live up North on a Lake. Now I got to make all of these decisions for me and, and solo parents don't always have that, that available to them. But it's also so 
lonely. It's so quiet and so lonely, especially in that early, you know, now I'm, I'm five years out. And so I've, I've crafted this life that I just truly love. Um, but initially it's like, there felt like no reason to get out of bed, that there was no purpose. There was no one that needed me. And that was hard too. I feel like when you're in a marriage, it's, you know, Brad and I used to always say, we don't need each other. We choose each other, but there is a level of dependency on the person you share your life with. And so for your whole family to be gone and to not have anything left to care for is, is really hard. It's just, it's so isolating in an already isolating period. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can understand that. Absolutely. You know, I think having a reason to get up a purpose mm-hmm. for your day is what keeps a lot of people going, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Did you and Brad talk about having children? Was it something you consciously decided not to? Were you like waiting to do it a bit bit later? So we um, we talked about it. I was always kind of on the fence. It was something I wasn't. I was not a woman who was like my my clock is ticking um, and like let's go. But I also I was diagnosed with cancer when I was twenty eight. Um, Brad and I had been married at that point for a couple of years, and we were just enjoying our time. We kind of talked about it. But when I was diagnosed, um, I relapsed shortly after um, my first clean scan. And so I was told that I should wait five years um, before having the kids conversation. And so Brad and I, we just kind of, we didn't talk about it. Um, And Brad got diagnosed a couple of weeks after my five years. And so it was like that period of our life where we could have talked about it. And I'm not sure Brad wanted kids um, more than I did. He was more on that that side of the fence. I think we were both kind of towing the line, but on different sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something we never got the chance to fully discuss. Um, and that that's its own level of grief and loss. And I can, I can sit here and say, I'm grateful. I was not a person that knew hundred percent. I wanted to have kids. And I, it's something I've been able to let go of because of that, but there's so many what ifs and questions and, you know, there was a period of time when in between Brad being sick and him dying where my body was just out of whack. And I was like, maybe I'm pregnant and how much Brad would love that. And, you know, there's so many emotions that come with, with mm. having a kid and how much I wish I had a version of Brad still. And so there's all these things I've had to kind of come to terms with. Um, and ultimately it's, it's where I'm supposed to be now and mm. happy that I will be an, an aunt to, I am an aunt to eight nieces and nephews and get to be a part of their lives and help raise them in certain ways. And, you know, I've, I've accepted it, which feels nice, but, and I I feel fortunate in that because I know that is not most people's experience. I think you have a really beautiful way of acknowledging everything that is and isn't. Um, And, and again, it, it comes back to that duality of grief doesn't it kind of mm-hmm. you know I think we really do have to look at what we've lost what no longer is what no longer can be um because there's so much and it's not just about losing our person there's so many other losses attached to that um and we can get caught up in that can't we you know that can definitely be like our focal point um but you are very I think natural at, at kind of looking 
at the situation you find yourself in and looking for what you have got, what is, and mm. accepting or trying to accept that in the best way that you can and, and look for the positives in that. Is that something you've had to learn to do through your grieving journey or do you think it's something that was naturally within you? Um, I think I have, to a fault, always been a, like a positive people-pleasing type of person grief balance of where do I actually feel grateful and I can accept something that isn't possible and find a way to, to find, you know, to be okay with that versus that kind of toxic positivity of everything works out for a reason. And I have to be grateful for everything because there's a lot of things I didn't feel grateful for. And I felt very angry for, and, you know, it takes time to get there, but I think, I think grief, gives you the space and maybe not for everyone, but for me, at least it gave me the space to distinguish the difference in those of like mm. what I actually was feeling and how I could come to terms with certain things that I couldn't change. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Does that answer the question? No, it does. It does. <laughs> really, absolutely. Because it's, you know, people don't like all the terms, but it's a process. It's a journey. It's, it's, it's a lifelong learning, isn't it? And it's, mm -hmm. it's learning how to, to grow around your grief, I suppose, so that you can come to a place of acceptance with it and, and learn how um, to, to carry it more lightly. What, what do you think you've discovered about life yourself? I mean, what, what tools, um, strategies, those kind of things have you used that have really helped you in your journey? And what have you discovered about you and life that maybe you didn't see before? Ooh, what a great question. Um, you know, I don't know if I gave myself, I think I was always kind of floundering, trying to find my purpose and, and my place in this world. And I think in this space of grief after Brad died, um, I started trusting myself and what I could offer. And I'm still, you know, I still have so many insecurities, but I think grief gives you a level of not caring. <laughs> and that led to getting to the point of like, I'm trusting my, my gut, my instinct on who I am. And that has opened up doors to, to truly being like, what is the space I want to be in, in this world? Um, including with the force joy project in terms of relationships and friendships, it just, it gives, it gives you that space to be like, what, what do you really want in your life? And I think it's easy to still doubt that. And that's something that I personally was just like, I, I'm going full force in, in a direction that feels right. Even if it's a mistake, it's something that I need to trust myself that this is, this is what my gut is saying. And it's taken me in a lot of different directions and mm. I've learned a lot. And I just, I appreciate that now I'm in a place where I can do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's the one thing that I see, you know, my clients struggling with the most is figuring out what it is they want next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, who am I? Where do mm -hmm. I fit in this world? What do I want out of it? What am I trying to create? And they're big questions, aren't they? They're really big questions. And, and people get so frustrated in that. I don't know. I do, where am I heading? What next step should I take? 
what what do I want? How, I mean, how did you go about discovering those things, the answers to those questions for yourself? Um, it took time. You know, I think there's so much pressure because, mm. you know, when I I feel like when I first became a widow, there wasn't this amazing grief community, this virtual grief community that exists. And maybe it was, and I just wasn't finding it. Um, but now because there's this community, we see so much of what people are doing. And so I'm five years out and I've had people be like, Oh, it looks like you have it all figured out. And it's, I, I think there's so much pressure now that you have to turn your tragedy into something, into purpose, you know? And so I think, and I, I did, (laughs) I did, but I don't think you have to. And I, for me, it was not, like I said earlier, it was not this intentional thing. There were years, there were several years of me floundering and figuring it out and moving just because it felt like I needed to do that, not with any idea of this was going to help me find my purpose, but just because it felt right. And so, you know, I just like to remind people that we see different stages of people's grief journey. It's all out there and it's very easy to feel worse about yourself. If you're still like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my purpose is because that took years. And I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out every day. I'm like, what does this look like? Is this the right thing? How, where does this go? Um, and I don't know if those questions ever fully go away for anyone. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully we're always trying to grow, but it took a long time. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there was anything besides just surviving for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I, an inch opened up into something that felt right, I went in that direction. And so I think it's, it's follow the little things that feel right in those moments and be curious and explore and see where it takes you knowing you can always go back the other way. Did you have moments where you were just absolutely like stuck for want of a better word where you thought I don't even know what next step to take was was that where you would force yourself almost to 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 take a step to find the joy to do something that maybe was a bit different? Yes I mean I think I had a lot of those moments I um I mean, for sure, for the first 18 months, I think I felt like that regularly of, I have no idea where I belong, what I want to do, who I am. Um, and then for me, I, the, the first big step that I took was I left my loft that Brad and I lived in and I moved to a city where I knew no one and left kind of everything behind. And that's, that's a major move. And I don't, you know, I, I feel like I'm a person that I'm like, go big or go home and I'm going to do this. Um, and it doesn't always have to be that big, but for 18 months, I just felt completely lost, completely lost. And it wasn't until I took that step, I could start to like, kind of create whatever this next life was going to be for me. Yeah. That was very brave, wasn't it? Kind of. <laughs> it felt, it felt yeah. kind of stupid. <laughs> I mean, yes, now I'm like, it's worked out, but it felt crazy, but in a way that I needed, I needed to just jolt myself out of this life that I did feel stuck in where everything felt the same, but without Brad in it. So then it was, everything was actually drastically different. Yes. Yeah. I, I hear that, you know, and I think some people are very scared to make any kind of changes like that to their lives because it's that feeling of leaving someone behind of maybe yeah, being yeah. disloyal, losing the things that connect you to your person. Um, 
but yeah, sometimes, the life that you built. <laughs> yeah completely but then it can feel incredibly freeing sometimes I think to make some changes and they don't have to be huge like that you know like it can be just painting a room or <laughs> you know buying a new bed I, I don't know but just you know they don't have to be grand they can mm-hmm. sometimes be be smaller but I think for me and I don't know if it's the same for you but it helped me realize that yes life is going to keep changing things are going to keep changing but actually your person is still with you for, yeah. they're in here they're in here they're that you are who you are because of them and yeah things do change but it doesn't change your love for them yeah. um, I think it took me a while to to truly feel that but you're so right you know that it's not about the things it's not about the place you lived mm-hmm. you know you you I think we hold on to those things to hold on to our people and yeah. you know the last thing Brad would have wanted was for me to stay anywhere do anything that didn't feel right anymore yeah. did you talk to Brad I mean did he say to you what he wanted for you when he was gone did you have those conversations or were they too difficult um we we had some conversations we didn't have a lot about it because again I was I mean it felt like Brad forced those conversations in, in such a good way we had a podcast um and we, so we recorded all of these and so this was part of it for that where he was like I want people to know what this experience is like um I was I was in denial I think like that's how I survived was I was like your Brad is not going to die um but so we did so but we did have a couple conversations and it wasn't specific it wasn't anything like feel free to do this or you can date again or you can you know get rid of everything but because i i already knew that about Brad like i already knew that like i don't i did not hold on to that guilt of would Brad be okay with this i'm curious of what Brad would think about my life and i wonder about this a lot but i i didn't have that kind of burden on top of my grief of yeah. Brad would want me to stay here feel like I owed it to him mm. so yeah and I think that's so helpful to us isn't it in in our our you know whether whether we know that as a fact because our person has said it or or not I always kind of say to people you know choose choose the good story you know and if if that's the story that helps you find your way forward then choose that if if you haven't been able to because you know we make up so many stories in our mind don't we and we always tend to go to the bad one the one that makes us feel terrible and and I think do you know what don't don't do that choose the good one um because it just (laughs) gives yeah it gives us that that freedom I suppose that that knowing that that's okay and and gives us permission mm-hmm. I think doesn't it to create something good for ourselves so you know five years on Dana what does your what does your grief look like for you now um it is less outwardly visible um it is still there um now it's it's more of big kind of triggering moments that where, you know, I'll have kind of a grief meltdown, but it's versus early on where it's every moment of every day, you know, now it's, it's more of something will happen. I'll hear a song. I'll, you know, hear someone's story that will remind me of it and have these bigger moments, but I also can carry it in a way where those kind of caught off guard moments are, are 
are a lot less because I know how to think about Brad in my life in a way that like with just so much love and, and I never thought I'd get to that space. I remember people like, Oh, one day you'll smile about it and you won't always cry. And I hated it. I hated when people would say that to me because I was like, that will never happen. And, you know, people are right. Like time doesn't make the pain go away. Like I miss Brad every day. I'm devastated by this loss every day, but life does continue and the grief is there, but so is the joy. And I think as time goes on, it's easier to bring in these other really beautiful things that take up space in a great way in your life. Mm, Definitely. Absolutely. And I mean, would you, would you say you're a a very different person now to to the person that you were before? Do Do you kind of miss that person as well? Um, you know, that's such an interesting question. I feel like I think about this a lot of, you know, who that, who that person was. Um, I think at the core, I'm very similar. Mm -hmm. I think I have owned my, my space here differently in a way that Brad would be so proud of. Like it was something I think Brad always saw this potential in me to like find my purpose and do something and have a positive impact in the world. And I never really knew what that was. And so it's very interesting to, to, to like, think about that in like such a a beautiful way of like, I have grown as a person and be very proud of who I am. And then also like, I, I just wish Brad could see me, you know, I'm sad that Brad didn't get to see this version of myself that, you know, he kind of always knew I would become. Mm, yes didn't didn't see that sort of come to fruition almost yeah yeah I know and I think a lot of people feel guilt around kind of growing I suppose through their their grief you know I, I speak to to a few of my clients who say I feel bad I feel bad that I'm going to invest in myself and and maybe become a better version of me and and kind of discover parts of me that they knew existed but I didn't believe in and and didn't yeah. maybe show to the world and that that that's another layer of guilt right you know yeah. that, that we have to to battle through isn't it and again it's giving ourselves permission to go it's okay I'm, I'm allowed it doesn't it doesn't mean anything negative yeah you know for me I think you know, that, that guilt and that peace comes in really heavily because I'm in another relationship now and with someone that I love very much. And he, I feel like he gets the better version of me, you know, and that is like such a like crazy thing to think about and to feel guilty about of it, that, and that's growth. That's growth with living life. Hopefully we're all continuing to grow and that was going to happen regardless. Like I would love to believe I would have become this person with Brad. And I think I would have, but another person gets to experience almost like a, I don't want to say better, but it feels like a more authentic, real, like, yeah. you know, confident version of myself. I really hear you on that. Cause I feel like since, since Simon died for me, I've been on such a journey that it has revealed a, a much, I'm, I'm so much more confident now than I used to be. I'm far more fulfilled and aligned yeah. um, than I ever used to be. And, you know, it's almost, I sometimes think, what would Simon think, you know, if he was to, <laughs> to come back and see me now, like, would, would he kind of recognize this version of me? What, what would he, what would he mm-hmm. take out of that? 
um because it does it kind of shifts us doesn't it and it shapes um, who we become and yeah. you know I truly believe we kind of we have a choice in in how we kind of respond to our losses mm-hmm. do you do you think that do you think that there was a, a, a conscious or a subconscious choice that you made in your journey um or do you think it's something else um you know I think every day is a choice how we choose to live um so I I believe there's a choice in how we handle our situations um I also recognize that it's easier for certain people um, and people that struggle with depression and things like that. That's it's a much harder choice to make and it doesn't feel like a choice. So um, aside from, from that, I think we, we choose how we take a step forward every day. And some days we choose to take a step back and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, it's like, I, overall hope I'm taking more steps forward (laughs) than steps back. And I think, again, it goes back to just like being, giving yourself grace, being understanding of, it doesn't always have to be this forward momentum, but you have a choice and that leads to where you go in life, what direction you're going in. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. You know, you're right. There are some certain factors, aren't they, that kind of change that the choices that we feel are available to us Mm -hmm. in different Mm -hmm. situations um for sure but I I think a lot of the time people don't believe they have a choice in it you know I I hear so often and I'm sure you do too you know people grieving widows widowers surviving partners kind of a common response to to anything is well what choice do I have Mm-hmm. and it and I you know I've always liked to kind of remind people that you there's always a there is always another choice yeah um but you're not maybe hard <laughs> yeah that's it exactly yeah. it's not easy yeah it's not <laughs> is it it's no yeah. it's it's not always easy um it is hard work and mm-hmm. do you think you've had to work really hard through your grief to get to where you are now it's not just something that's happened you you've you've yeah. worked at it I have, yes, I've worked very hard um, because it is, yeah, every day it's, it's, you have to, I mean, it's your choice how you live your life. And for me, I want a big, bold, fulfilling life. And part of that is because Brad died and he doesn't get to do that. Mm -hmm. And there are moments where I'm like, no, I don't want to move forward without him. I don't want to take that step without him. And I certainly felt that early on of the, like, I want to be in this space because this is the space I had with Brad. And eventually that shifted where, you know, you have to take that step. And it was so hard to do, but yeah, it requires a lot of work to create the life that you want through grief and grief. Yeah. I I don't know that anyone that that feels easy for. No. No, not at all. Absolutely. It's not. It's, it's far yeah, from, yeah. It's far from it. And that feels unfair. And, you know, yeah. I get stuck in that. You know, I'm just like, why do I have to do this? This feels so unfair. Everyone else yeah. gets to just live their life. Yeah. And yeah, we definitely fall into that. Why me? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's really tough. I mean, you mentioned there you're, you're in another relationship now. How, how was the, the world of dating for you? How did you, you find that as a, as a widow? Um, I mean, it was horrible. 
<laughs> I mean, dating as a widow, I, it was, so I started dating. Um, so another thing I went through is I was taking care of my dad after Brad died, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And so I moved him into my house. Um, and this was about two years after Brad died and I was just in a really hard space. And so dating became a distraction, which I would not recommend getting on the apps for the first time <laughs> as a grieving widow while your dad is dying. Um, but that was, that was it for me. Um, and I, I hated it. I felt like I didn't have time for all of this, like roundabout conversation. I got very drunk. The first date I went on, I was so uncomfortable and so awkward. Um, and eventually I, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of in between that I'm happy to talk about, but I ended up, um, dating somebody that I had known already that I'd been sort of friends with and acquaintances with for, you know, almost 10 years. And that's who my current partner is. And, you know, we've been dating for over a year now and we do the long distance thing, but, um, he's been such a wonderful support of, you know, grieving and dating a widow and what, you know, everything that comes with that. That's so lovely. Did he know Brad then? So he and Brad went to high school together. Um, yeah. And they were, Brad was a little bit older, so they weren't friends in high school and I didn't become friends with him. My sister's now ex-husband also went to high school. And so that's how my sister met, um, him. And so my brother-in-law was better friends with my current partner. And so when they got married, we kind of like would just run into each other and hang out. But um, so he and Brad knew each other, but they weren't yeah. super close. Yeah. Yeah. And do you quite like that? Is that quite nice that, that, that he knew him? I like it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's nice because when I talk about Brad, it's not, he's, he's not imagining this yeah. version. He, you know, he actually knew enough about Brad and he knew Brad and I together. I think that probably makes it more complicated for him okay. um, because he saw us as a couple. He saw our relationship. He saw how in love we were. And so, you know, I think that's harder probably for him than it is for me where I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Yes. That's yes. a certain reality that he, he has to, to carry. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, that's a really good point, isn't it? Like it's hard for us, I think, as as widows and widowers to, to go out into the dating world. Um, but I think it's really hard to date a widow or a widower as well. You, you know, there's so much pressure felt by the other person to kind yeah. of, you know, step into somebody's shoes, be that great person. Because we, you know, when somebody dies, we tend to talk about how amazing they were and yeah. and how brilliant. And, you know, and for me, you know, with my new partner, I very much tried to keep Simon real. Like he wasn't yeah. perfect. He could be an absolute pain in the backside. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, and and just kind of go, it it wasn't the perfect life that you're gonna imagine it was because he died and you're probably going to hear more about the good stuff than the bad stuff um but I I do I think it's really difficult I think it's very very um fragile starting a new relationship for both parties and I think it takes a lot of honesty and communication and and a lot of trust really on on both parts doesn't it but it's it's certainly not an answer or a fix to anything, um, which yeah. I think we can, so a, a bit like you, you can, I kind of threw myself into to dating sites, you know, 
about I don't know eight months I think after Simon mm-hmm. died um and it is it's that kind of searching for company so you yeah. know that that or an escape from your reality a, a bit of like, I just sure. want to feel like a normal person um doesn't always work out <laughs> in the yeah. for you with your with your dad as well you know that's that's a lot isn't it it is a lot yeah yeah it certainly was yeah and I think yeah. you're right about you know we use it to avoid a lot of what we're feeling especially early on where it's like I just want companionship I just don't yeah. want to feel so lonely and yeah. you know I you know I'm now in a relationship that I love and see a future with but it took me you know, several years of kind of going through other dating and relationships to be ready for what that meant. And I think it was almost harder in the beginning because I saw this potential with Mm -hmm. Nate, my current partner, um, because it's like, oh my God, like now you're, I'm, I'm asking to like actually share a life. And uh, up to this point, Brad was the only person that got like that version. And so that's like a whole different level of grief of, the the dating people that were wrong felt easier in a lot of ways because it was just to fill a void versus yeah. imagining a different life with another person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's huge, isn't it? It's it's yeah. huge. It's a minefield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think you're ready and then you're like, oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Then you start behaving like some kind of crazy person. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is thinking what is she doing yep, yep. <laughs> I know it's certainly it you know it, it could not bring out the bestness as much as it can bring out the bestness again yeah. like the, the two sides of the coin isn't it absolutely right so what would you what you know now knowing what you know looking back on your your journey your story your experiences what would you go back and, and say to, to, to Donna in, in those first few days, weeks? What would be, you know, your, your advice, your words of wisdom, your, your golden nuggets? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I don't think that version would have listened to anything I said. <laughs> um, I think just give yourself grace, you know, like it's be patient like, don't feel this pressure to figure it out because I think that's where we go is how do I, how do I figure out what this life looks like without Brad? And that felt so overwhelming on top of just grief. And so I think just be patient and trust that one day, like something will feel right, or at least right enough (laughs) to move towards. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's so true, isn't it? Having that, that trust in the process mm-hmm. and in yourself, you know, I think you kind of yeah. very beautifully said a, a couple of times that trust your instincts, you, you know, and what I love to kind of say to people is like, you know, the way you have all the answers within you, you, you know, it's just may not happen at the pace that you want it to happen at. Because when we're in pain and we're hurting so much, it's like, I just want to get out. How do I get away from this? How do I fix it? Why do I fill these yeah. voids that I have, these gaping holes in my life? And we're frantically searching for answers and and, and on the internet. And then we look at other people's, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of Instagram reels and all that kind of stuff. And oh my God, they got it all figured out. How did they yeah. do that? <laughs> it's like, don't believe everything you see on yeah. social media. Right. 
Um, Which we know, we know. And somehow we put all of this weight into another widow that's doing it. And we're like, (laughs) see, her life is working out perfectly. And we're like, this is social media. Like this is not the full story. (laughs) No, absolutely. You know, you're seeing a tiny, tiny snippet. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's got it all figured out. We're all carrying our our stuff around and just trying a bit better today than we did yesterday. And I think, you know, that's sometimes the, the best we can hope for, isn't it? So yeah, what, what, in what way now, I know you've got, um, your Instagram um, that you do so brilliantly, um, which I know helps so many. And, and you, you come up in my groups a lot, you know, people oh, really so are inspired by you. You're, you're brilliant. You have such a great oh. energy and a great outlook, which Thank is you. fantastic. But I know you have other ways of, of helping people as, as well. So what, how, how else do you help people through their grief? Um, yeah, so other than just sharing my story on Instagram and encouraging other people to share theirs, um, I do interview people about their stories that want to have a place to open up. Cause I feel like for me, that was so therapeutic was being able to have an outlet to kind of pour my emotions. And so that's been helpful. I think for other people to see different versions of grief and different types of loss besides just being a widow. Um, and the other thing that, you know, I do that I love is, um, I create what I call book of stories and this came from purely selfish reasons. After Brad died, I wanted stories of Brad. Like I was just like, I want everyone to send me their stories. You know, we talk about it at like the memorial service, everyone gives a toast and they shared all of this. I couldn't tell you a single thing anyone said, like a single story, because you're just, you're, you're not there. You're not mentally there. I feel like I was not sober in any way. So it's like, (laughs) these were things that they're lost and they're so beautiful. And so I started asking for people to, to give me their stories. And I created a book out of what people sent. And eventually was like, this is, this is the grief gift I wanted. And so I, figured out a way, like, how do you create this for other people? And so this is the thing that I'm just so proud of because I think stories are, you know, it's what we have and it keeps our people alive in a lot of ways and hearing stories of different parts of their life. And so it's just, it's the thing I'm the most proud of that, um, that has come out of this horrible, horrible situation. And I think Brad would be really be proud of because he was such a person that valued stories and storytelling and, you know, the, the memories of like what makes someone's life, you know, it's like you get a glimpse into these people's lives and not just the like pedestal version that, you know, as you said, that we kind of talk about them, but the really funny raw, like moments of someone are in these stories from people that knew them when they were little or went to high school with them. And so it's just, it's a really fun project to work on. I love that idea. I love it so much because like I've kind of, you know, I'm sort of over five and a half years into my journey now and I know some stories are fading and I, you know, some people will say, do you remember this when Simon did this? And I'll be like, no, I don't remember that. And and then you're like, oh my God, I don't want to forget. And of course you never forget the person, but the, the the it's true the, the time more time that passes you, you know as much as we don't want it to that the memories do they do fade yeah. and and sometimes when it's when you have done something with your person like before Simon and I got married and had children we went traveling mm-hmm. and only he and I shared that experience you know so when we talked about it you know when you've got someone to fill in the gaps you've got each other to go do you remember this do you remember that and 
And actually, when you are the, the sole bearer, carrier, you know, yeah. rememberer of, of these events, these stories, these experiences, that's like, oh, I, I kind of, I can't. And, and to be able to piece those things together, to ask others as well, um, to share their stories and to be able to write them down as you remember them and have them in a, a lovely keepsake, I think is just yeah. such a beautiful idea. Such Thank a beautiful you. idea. Almost quite like therapeutic journaling. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. so how do people get this then? Um, so it's on my website, forcejoyproject.com. Um, there's a link for book of stories. And so you can get all the information and I'm currently looking into international shipping because everyone's asking, and I know probably a lot of your audience is not in the U S or Canada. Um, so hopefully by the time this goes up, (laughs) it'll be (laughs) available internationally. (laughs) Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Really good. And and we can put the the link in the show notes as, as well. Um, so that people can can find that there. Thank you so much. That has been such a, a wonderful conversation, and you have so much wisdom, I think, and such a wonderful way of looking at life. Thank you. Um, now it's really it's really inspiring and really uplifting because it's hard, you know, and it's not taking all of that pain and heartache away from you it's not easy to to find the joy and to create those those moments and to to kind of force yourself to go out looking for it sometimes but you know what you do just proves that it can be done that it's it's still there and that you can feel happy in life again and and life can feel good again in a in a different way but um, you know, as I always say, different doesn't always mean bad. It's it's just different, isn't it? It's very different. Yeah, very true. It's very true. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing everything you have. And um, hopefully look forward to seeing more stories on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today on The Widow Podcast. If you would like to find out more about how I can help you, please visit my website, www.karensutton.co.uk. I would love to help you find your way forward to a brighter future. So get in touch, let's have a conversation and let's help you take back control and find a more positive way through your grief. I look forward to hearing from you.